Hi, welcome to Monster Baby Podcast number 13. This is a curious romp through the worlds of mindfulness and improvisation. I am Lisa Rowland. And I'm Ted DeMaison. We are your hosts. Gracious hosts. And in this episode, we talk about change. Change. And we that was the, the overarching topic, and it... Yeah, it started with, we kind of talked about our relationship to change, what's difficult about changing, perspectives on change, ways that we might approach it. Yeah, how does, what does improv teach us about change? What does mindfulness teach us about change? How has change showed up in our lives? In our personal lives. Yeah. And uh, we talk in this one about something that's real present for both of us right now. Uh, And then we've talked about past relationships or past job settings and uh, inspirations from nature mm-hmm. uh, that helped us deal with change, ways yeah. we come at it that way. I, I guess my hope is that if there's something, if there's some change happening in your lives, you might find something valuable in the conversation. Perspective giving or yeah. grounding. Yeah. It's a, it's a lovely wish. So, so listen on and see what strikes you, and we hope you like it. Thank you so much. Be well. like a school announcement. Okay. Yeah, over the school loudspeaker system. Sure. Okay. Attention all children and staff of university high. This announcement comes with the enthusiasm of all parties who created it. <laughs> this day will be forever changed by our attitude toward it before you would ever think of approaching your workplace with disdain. I implore you to reframe your thinking to be much more positive for your self. This brings will oh, did you say this brings, brings uh, me to my next point, which is lunch will be at 12.15. Thank you and have a great day. <laughs> Yeah. A little attitude switch. <laughs> this is an announcement about changing your attitude. Also, lunch is at 12.15. <laughs> That's fun. Great. I like the um, I like the word of the time. Putting word of the time in a different setting. Mm-hmm. Like, whoever does... I've never heard a word of the time school announcement. Yeah, that was fun. That's fun. All right. All right. Let's take it away. Take it away. Let's fly away on on the wings of eagles. Well, it occurs to me that the uh, our word at a time school announcement is apropos because we because it was about changing your attitude, and we are going to talk about change, change, and how 
we accept how we relate to change, our uh, relationship to change. I like that. Like, yeah, not, we don't know about accepting it. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. That's not. And I'll remind listeners, because we chatted about it briefly, but we don't know what we're going to say here. We haven't planned this out. Yeah. And yet, you have the sense that change matters greatly, or relationship to change matters greatly in improv and mindfulness and just in life. Well, in life, I mean, I feel like I feel like it's the source of a lot of unhappiness is a refusal to accept change. Mm-hmm. And that could be, I mean, one interesting thing to think about is what does that mean? Like change from what you expected, change from how it's been, right? Like you're, right. you were you thinking it was going to go one way and went another way. Is that a kind of change that we're talking about? Like change, change, yeah, change from the anticipated path of things. Right. Or things have been a certain way for a long time and suddenly something changes them. And that's a really hard thing to yeah. accept. Or to handle, you know, just to, to roll with it, sometimes harder than other times. Yeah. I, th- I think in life there's an inherent stress in things changing. Maybe sometimes there's a delight too, but that it it's like we have to process new information. We have to make sense of something and that t- takes, to use the computer metaphor, which I'm not entirely in line with, but it takes processing power. It takes bandwidth. It takes energy, bandwidth yeah. to, to deal with like... Oh, what's happening? What do I need to pay attention to? What's important information? What's relevant? Right. Well, in a way, it's in a way. There's a our brains can work very. Our, well, our brains, our hearts. You know, we can work very efficiently when things are in a steady place. We don't have to reevaluate our lives every day. We don't have to evaluate new information because we've already evaluated it. So right. we can kind of get. We can we can hit a groove and we can roll and then suddenly something changes and now I have to evaluate. A lot of things, and that takes a lot of mm-hmm. energy, and uh, evaluate external information, evaluate internal information, yeah. and I think that that can be, you know, so it makes us less efficient and less kind of like all, all of the normal stuff starts to feel different, which is, you know, I mean, in the in the words of of Garth from Wayne's World, brilliant philosopher, he's working in his workshop on a something that looks like a robotic human hand and he's saying we fear change uh and then he starts slamming (laughs) the hand with a hammer because it was moving anyway for those of you who have seen wayne's world you know exactly what i'm talking about um but i think he was right i think we tend to fear change Mm. all right well so let me i think it's why it's why i think it's why people have a default no instead of a default yes a lot of times because yes will get us moving out of the status quo and no is a little bit safer okay so that yeah that leads nicely into what my question was going to be which is what does improv have to say about how we relate to change oh god well i feel like to change i mean i think that i've it it maybe has a lot of the same stuff to say about say about it that then that mindfulness does which is that Nothing is bad information. It's all just new information that you get mm. to use to decide what comes next. So the way that I think about it in improv is, oh, I thought this story was about X, Y, or Z. <laughs> this is Luna, everybody. <laughs> this is Ted's cat, Luna. You may hear her over the course of our conversation. 
one one improviser says, I thought, you know, in, in my mind, I might say, oh, I thought this story was about this character. Or I thought this story was going to be a love story. Or I thought this story was, you know, I thought for sure this thing needed to happen now. And my partner comes and makes a, makes a, a call that is really different than what I thought. And the whole story has changed. And it can be, that process can be very difficult to let go of what I thought this was going to be mm-hmm. and allow it, be, allow it to be what it is, what it has become. And in order to stay present to what's unfolding you have to let go of it you have to and and the the change is of a mindset from no i have to fix this to oh i i am discovering what this story is i thought i had an idea but i don't so kind of staying really present and really light with that mm. with your own expectations and own anticipation of how this is going to turn out so what happens what happens if you resist the change if somebody comes on and suggests something new about your character well, then I feel like... It, I'd, I'd love to come up with an example, right? So if you, if you come on and establish we're in a Western scene or something. Yeah. So we're in a saloon. Yeah. Um, and, well, okay, so bridging on, on what we did last week with a meta conversation about taking a meta step and looking at it from, from a distance, right? Yeah. So if somebody comes on and says <clears throat> they're an author... Or they're a director directing a Western movie. Maybe part of you wants to resist that because you were really enjoying being in that Western scene. Mm-hmm. You want to stay in that character, right? Yeah. What happens if you try to hold on to that? Well, I feel like then it becomes improvisers fighting through their characters, mm. which I never want to see. I hate being a part of that. <laughs> I've done it a few times. Right. I've used my character to tell another improviser what I want them to do. Mm. Um, and I don't like it. I don't like it. it. It's a clear sign of me resisting what's actually happening because I don't, I have, I didn't like it or I didn't envision it or I feel very strongly that this is where the story is. And there's like an interesting interplay there because there have also been times when some, sometimes it makes sense to resist the change. Mm. And this is an interesting thing in life as well as like when, and that's one of my questions is like, well, we'll get, we can get there. Yeah. I'll get there, but so let's let's bookmark it. When does it make sense to resist the change? Yeah, it, yeah. Ooh, that's a big one. Yeah, like when do you fight it? You know, there are some times where, like, in it, in, <laughs> I've been in improv shows where everybody kind of has an idea of what this story is, and one person comes on because they are kind of in a different show, and they make some call that's like crazy, and everybody else unspokenly can kind of handles it but continues telling the story as it was right we don't all jump right so there's this interesting like you know like who's what story are you staying true to and not letting yourself get distracted from but is that resisting change it's like yeah yeah i'm resisting being changed by, by that offer because this the more compelling energy is in this part of the story so that's like a really interesting line there are no hard and fast Mm-hmm. There's not a clear boundary there b- between acceptance and resistance and like when you should accept and when you should resist. Yeah. Well, in coming back to the reality or the, that your question, when does it make sense to resist it? Part of me thinks, well, when does it make sense to resist reality? Like, you know, there's a, there's a saying in oh, meditation yeah. of like, you can, you can fight reality. You're going to lose. Mm-hmm. Cause it, it's what's happening. Right. But, but I'm, that's, I'm not sure it applies in improv. Well, in this particular case that we're talking about. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, when you're creating the reality, 
you're cr- I'm creating the reality, and right, you're with my teammates, with my castmates, kind of creating the re- reality all the time, which means it's it's ever malleable, right? And so I can choose to it. You know, it's like when we're in real life dealing with reality, and something big happens, and I can say, "Well, I don't accept that," and it's like, "Well, okay," but it's it's, it's already but done. it's true. Yeah. So good luck with not accepting with not accepting it. But in but you can kind of force your way in an improv. See, yeah. you can you can force your idea and resist being changed. I find that the players I'm least excited about playing with refuse to be to be changed. Okay, so that there's a there's a uh, charisma that comes out of a willingness to be changed, or I don't know if charisma is the right word, but a, an at- attractivity, yeah, or magnetism, or yeah. Yeah, you want to be around those people. I think it takes, but I think it takes trust to allow yourself to be changed. Like I think that that's a, like you have to kind of trust that you're going to be okay after the change. You're not giving up anything essential after the change. And this, I think, brings it back to life, of really rather back to the to the application of this way of handling change in in real life is trusting that like this thing that I thought was essential to me, it can change and I'll still be okay. Mm. And you may not be the same. You may not be, right. No, you're not going to be the same. But that you're going to be okay after that change. You're still going to be yourself after that change. You know? Yeah. And, you know, from having a job to not having a job. Or from, you know, like these sorts of things. I think some of the things that make it so hard to handle those changes is like, but what does that mean about me? If I'm no longer X, Y, or Z, or if suddenly I am X, Y, or Z, unemployed, disabled, like, you know, like a lot of it's like, no, but it's essential to me. And I think if there's a little bit of letting go of that need to need to remain the same because I've figured out who I am and this is who I am and I don't want to let any piece of it go, then I think that's maybe what makes part of what makes change so painful. Or can it can right? It's all, this is we're also operating under the assumption that change is painful. It's not always. No, definitely not always. Yeah, I'm chuckling because internally, maybe it hasn't been auditory, <laughs> but because one of the things that happens with mindfulness practice is that the more we do it, I think the more we come to see that things change, thoughts change, feelings change. Uh, self-perception changes, experience changes, mm. circumstances change. When you pay attention, you start to notice that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of discussion in the mindfulness community, particularly working in schools, about is mindfulness Buddhism? Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be, but I think the practice leads you to this: these two Buddhist insights, which are primary uh, in the sort of Buddhist understanding of the world. One is called Anicca, a-N-I-C-C-A, the notion of impermanence, that, thing, that things are always changing. What's that language? Uh, that is Pali. Pali. P-A-L-I. Oh. So that's one of them, that, so that things change, and we suffer because we resist it. Another key thing is that there isn't such thing as a separate self, that sometimes it gets translated, translated as no self, it's called anatta. Um, and that we are only made up of non-self elements. So, you know, you and I each are made up of water, air, food, 
friendships, social connections, places we've been, teachers we've experienced, so on and so forth. We're made up of each other because we have this connection and you know we're shaping each other. Anybody we contact will never be the same after having met them. And so it, it's not that there's no person that we can kind of get to know and remember and have a, next time we see them, we'll recognize them. But there's no real self to like hold on to. And that if we believe that that self is true, we also cause ourselves suffering. Mm -hmm. So when you were just describing, you know, will I still be the same after this change happens? You know, there's a, there's both components are in that question. Yeah. Like the change is happening. Oh no, can I, well, maybe you make peace with the change, but you're still holding on to yourself and that's still going to cause some. Yeah. And if you can relax on the notion of I am this, then the change isn't so disconcerting because it's just like a wave passing through. Yeah. It's like you're a little ghost. Things right. can kind of move through you. and Yeah. Yeah. I think of it as a constellation of patterns and light. And it's like, you know, here's Ted moving through the world and he's you can kind of see him. He tends to take that same shape and he looks kind of like he did 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, I recognize that voice. It's like those... Those formations that birds take, what are those called? Murmurations? Don't know. I'm talking they're moving, and and you there's you've seen videos of them. Oh, where they, right. They're moving, and they kind of form Flocking, a. Flocking. Yeah. yeah, but it's like they almost seem to become solid for a moment, and then they turn, yeah. and it's crazy. Yeah, that's kind of like that. It's really beautiful. I don't know if it actually is, but that's what it made me think of. <laughs> one of, one of the things that in talking about this is, it's so easy in the abstract. Well, maybe it's not for some people, but. Makes sense to me, abstract. To accept change. And and this non-self notion. I can't, I mean, it's so near impossible for me to do. Oh, me too. And I think... I'm pretty attached to who I am. To yeah. who I think I am. Yeah. Who I've... Who I perceive other people think I am. Who How I see myself in the world, like... Do you think of yourself as generally receptive to change? I do. Like, change comes up and you're kind of go, oh, all right. Well... I'm trying to think about an example. Like, like what? Like, yeah. <laughs> like what? What's an example? What's an example of a change that you accepted willingly and just kind of rolled with? Or what's an example of one that you resisted? Oh, I feel like the. Hmm. I'm trying to think about changes that happened to me that I didn't, that I wasn't responsible for. Like, I'm trying to think about like losing a job or uh, the change that I'm the change that I'm handling right now is the loss of somebody um, who meant a lot to me there's no but it doesn't seem to I don't know that it fits I don't know how exactly it fits into this conversation because there's no part of me that's well, I'm sad about the change. Mm -hmm. I'm sad about the loss. I don't know what fighting it looks like. Right? I'm not sure. Like, I accept that it happened. You're not sure you accept or you do accept? No, I do. I yeah. mean, I, I... Right, like, I'm not sure how you... Like, so the idea of accepting a, a death... You know, like, this is a loss that I am not 
in charge of. I wasn't a part of bringing it about. Mm-hmm. I, it's devastating. Is there a way that it could could not be? <laughs> you know, like even I think even if I if I really got to a place where I got I'm not resisting change. Right. Would I hear the news of a death and go, okay. And not be sad? Like is sadness suffering? I don't think so. Is, you know, like, is it, it, or is it like, so what's the, like, I'm, I've been very, very upset, you know, just like super emotional and griefy, just really griefy, you know, and, and is that an example of not accepting the change? But that's just the, an example yeah. of handling the change, responding to it and adjusting to it. And that's what that feels like, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think we were talking about having a wave come through the system. I think the the grief is, is like a manifestation of that wave passing through, right? Mm-hmm. The feelings arise up and there they are. It's like, here comes this thing. And okay, so so now grief but it's the it's the attachment to it being different than how it is that causes suffering. Mm-hmm. Right? So I had a one time when I was teaching Buddhism, I had a, a monk come in and talk to the kids, and he put an equation up on the board that said, "Suffering is equal to pain times attachment." And so if we're not attached to it being some other way to being pain free, which most of us are attached to being pain-free, then we just have the pain. It doesn't doesn't mean we suffer. The pain is an experience in and of itself, or the sadness. It's the fighting that it's state the fighting that thing is the, the that suffering. causes the real suffering. Yeah. So so and that resonates with me also when I've when I've lost relationships, like when I've ended relationships, yes. and I feel sadness, but I don't feel regret. So regret, right? Like there's things. And that's actually interesting because when you lose somebody, or I'll at least say in this loss, it's like I think about things I wish I had said. Mm. Right? I think about things that I wish I had communicated um, before losing him. And I think that is where suffering can come in. Right. Is spending a lot of time wishing that my past were different with him than it was. Um, would you call that attachment? Well, I would call it fighting the re- fighting the, <laughs> fighting reality. the reality. Yeah. It's like I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, it's like regret. It, it yeah, is hanging on to that to those two pieces of what it was and what you wish it had been, right. instead of just kind of letting go of what you wish it had been and mm-hmm. letting it be what it was, mm-hmm. and and allowing all the other things that you wish you had said to be said now. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, all the other things I wish I had said. Like, I will say those now, you know? Right. right. Yeah, it's, it's, an, it's an intense time. It's, it's so immediately present mm-hmm. right now for you, for us, mm-hmm. for those of us who knew this person. And, yeah, there's part of me that's like, no, I don't want to accept it. I, that, that just denies that he's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's easy to do that. Right, because I didn't see him regularly and I didn't talk to him regularly. So, of course, 
But you don't feel that it, the thing that I've realized, I know this is a little bit off of on a tangent, but there are two things that are hard to adjust to. And one is the loss of the person. And the second is the absence of the person. I think I was telling you about mm-hmm. this last night. Yeah. That there's the loss of the person, which is hearing of the, of the loss of a person is like jarring and shocking and uh, pulls me up short in this very kind of, um, I want to say kind of like a violent way, yeah, you know, it's kind of like, story, it's like, stunning. Uh, it's like, uh, like kind of shaking, you know, like yeah. shakes me. And then, and so there's the like coming off of that, like being, being pulled up short moment of like, wait a minute, I thought reality was one thing and I have just discovered in a moment that it is a different thing, right? He was mm-hmm. here and now he is not here. And that's a hard thing to, to wrap my head around. And then there is, and then there is the, the onset of understanding that he is gone and feeling, feeling the absence of that. And maybe that's true for any change, right? There's the, there's the like moment of change. There's the event of the change. There's the losing your job. There's the losing your relationship. There's the, you know, like whatever, whatever that is. There's the realization of that. And then there's the onset of, and then there's the realization of the the reality of what that means, which is just another thing to, to adjust to, but it's two separate adjustments in a way. And the second one is more like a, the first one's like a cut. The second one's like a throbbing ache. Yeah, like an ache. Just a kind of... Yeah. Yeah, that you're living with, right? You don't live with the shock of the, of the moment of change, but you live with the reality of the absence. Well, I, I, I think that again, I get this stuff intellectually, and I understand. I buy, I buy it, and I, <laughs> I take stock in it, and yet I am so slow to move internally. I feel like I'm a, a steamship. It takes a lot to get me moving in a certain direction, mm-hmm. and then it takes a lot to get me turned off that direction. So, do you have a, an example of changes that? It took you a long time to accept, or that, or in moments that you have accepted change quickly. Yeah, there are two that come to mind. One is um, when I was working at Northfield Mount Hermon, a boarding school in Western Massachusetts, and we had the first year I got there, we had two campuses. So originally, 125 years ago, had been a girls' campus and a boys' campus, um, and then in 1970 they combined and became a co-ed school. But the girls' campus was in in the town of Northfield, absolutely gorgeous, spread out a little bit, like all these nooks and crannies on campus, all these beautiful places to sit under trees, and the dining halls were in different buildings. This was smaller. You sit around tables, round tables, and great conversations. And I always felt like those young women who had been going to boarding school long before women were going to boarding school and getting educations, their ghosts were like, coming up from the land and it's this really sacred place and the Mount Hermon side was the boys school uh, had a farm had good stuff but it was more centralized one big dining hall all the buildings were in rows it's much more linear anyway when they combined campuses in 1970 they had both operating but the year after I got there 2002 they decided to close one of the campuses so this whole big back and forth about which campus we're going to keep open and they closed the Northfield side, which is a side that I just loved. And I had only been there a year, but I had invested my heart and soul into this place. And I never 
quite got over it. Mm. I just never did. And we were on that campus for three more years, but then we moved all the operations over to Mount Hermon. And it was, it was this steady ache, and I still lived in Northfield. So I'd go walking on the campus, and I'd watch the buildings kind of deteriorate. And then they sold the buildings to another Christian group, and they restored them. And so it was kind of brought back to life. But it was this relationship with all those ghosts or that place somehow. I never quite got out of it. Mm. I mean, even now, talking about it, it's still I still feel sadness. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet I tried to coach myself through, like, that's not where we are. We're a new school. We're creating something new here. And yet I knew that the buildings on the Mount Hermon campus were in some ways preventing us from creating the relationships we'd had. That we were at long tables in one big noisy dining hall. You could not, literally you could not have the same kind of conversation. Mm -hmm. So people just didn't linger at at meals the way we used to linger. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was always reminded of this frustration of it's not the way it could be. It's not the way it could be. Mm. So that's one example. And then the other is in relationship, intimate relationship. So I think I'm pretty slow to give my heart to somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty guarded. And I, I can be open and friendly and accepting and talk about lots of things. But to really give my heart to somebody takes a long time. And so in the last relationship I was in, I don't know that I felt like I was in love for the first two or three years. But like through the process of living together and sharing our pets and sharing our lives and learning how to be good to each other, it became this really uh, precious thing deep in my heart. And then when we decided not to be together for good and valid reasons, and I was moving across country, and that was clear to me that that was the right thing to do, uh, it was like, wait, what? <laughs> I just got there. It took me five years to get here, and now I'm abandoning this course of this direction I've been on. And mm-hmm. and now here I am two years later, and I haven't been in a relationship since. Uh, I've dated some, and but I, I feel like my heart is still... I don't know, slowing You're down. You're still collecting like, it. You're still collecting it from that last... That's right. Yeah. And so it's like, well, how long is that going to be? Yeah. You know, geez. Uh, but it is what it is. Yeah. And so um, I can acknowledge, yep, it's different. It's not what it used to be. Yeah. And there is still part of me that, like, that longs for it. I don't even know what I long for because it. I know I don't really want... What was there? That was part of what we evaluated. It's like, no, this isn't what we want going forward. Yeah. And yet, something, some piece of that. Yeah, you want the parts of it that were great, right. <laughs> and just not the parts of it yeah. that weren't. There's a, um, I don't know to what extent you're familiar with or, or uh, comfortable with astrology, but you know each of the signs is one of each of the twelve zodiac signs is one of four elements. Uh, fire, earth, air, or water. Mm-hmm. And each of them is also one of three types. Cardinal, meaning initiative, mm-hmm. starting something uh, fixed, stable, immutable, changing. Mm. So you have fixed fire, mutable fire, uh, cardinal fire. Right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so the three most important signs in any one person's 
horoscope are your sun sign, your moon sign, your rising sign. Mm-hmm. In my birth chart, all three of those are fixed. Ah. I'm fixed air, sun sign, Aquarius, fixed water, moon sign, which is Scorpio, and fixed earth, rising sign, which is Taurus. And so it's like, if I look at myself astrologically, it's no wonder that I have a hard time changing because all of my energy is ready to be like here. Mm-hmm. We're set. Yeah. We like what we have. We're going to stick with it. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, you're going to ask me to change? This is going against like my whole internal. Right. You're like roots grow and they grow deep. Yeah. Quick. Feel things deeply. Think things deeply. Like. Yeah. So it's fascinating to like, to take on a big change in life like moving to California was. Yeah. Where I gave up my job. I gave up my relationship. Gave up this place where I had lived for 12 years. Left my family. Um, it's been really fun. I just now feel like I'm getting settled. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. I, I know what my rhythm is. I know where I get my food. I can start to explore the the byways and trailways. I just went down to Pacifica along the coast a couple days ago. Found this new trail. It was like only 10 minutes away from where I live. Yeah. This is beautiful. Yeah. How, how have I not been here before? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just getting out. So, yeah, I, I, I kind of chuckle at this myself because, like, oh, yeah, sure, change, great, yeah. attached. Yeah. And so much of my system is holding on to the things I like. Yeah. Makes it hard to learn new skills, right? Hmm. I, you know, I kind of think of the growth mindset that says, well, you can, you don't have to be limited to what you've done in the past. You can try new things out. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't start playing guitar till I was 24. That took a long time, but then, you know, I stuck with it and then got good enough to play and, and sing and enjoy myself. But then I hit another plateau. I was like, oh, I guess I'm not going to get good anymore. Well, come on now. Where's your growth mindset, big boy? Yeah. This is where looking at myself from my 60-year-old perspective is helpful. Say more. Whenever I start to feel like I'm at, I'm out of time or I've, uh, I have too much to do that now. Mm. It's like, dude, what's your 60 year old lady self going right. to tell you about that? You got so much time. Right. You have no idea how much time you have. Does you she, know? does she coach you about change? You know, well, I think there's a, nature coaches me about change. Hmm. Yeah, I have my best, I got my best wisdom from nature. From the moon. Okay. I have specific moments. The moon in Spain, in Barcelona. That sounds like a uh, speech. Uh, the rain in Spain. The, rain in Spain. The, the moon in Spain. The moon, it was a big, beautiful full moon on the streets of Barcelona the night that I, lo- I was fired from a job. And was like crushed. I'm like, I don't get fired from jobs. Not Lisa. Rose. I'm very, very responsible. But you know, but that Spain year was a. I went to Spain between my sophomore and junior years of college. I stopped out of school. I went to live abroad, and it was very much a liminal space where I was exploring. You know, it was like neither here nor there. It wasn't school. It wasn't real life. It was kind of a parenthetical. And I got this job, and they fired me. 
you know, because I think I asked for a day, like I'd worked for like 11 days straight and was like, I need a day off. And they were like, nope. And I was like, well, I'm not coming in tomorrow. <laughs> and they were like, well, then you can never come back. And I was like, whoop, whoop, whoop. okay. And they said, wait a minute, how about you just come back on Friday and then you can be fired. And I was like, nope, no, no, you don't get to fire me. And then ask me to work another day. Like I'm out. Um, but I walked out of the bar and I looked up at the moon and like this perspective struck me of like, that moon is so far away and is going to be there through getting fired and getting rehired somewhere else and having jobs and pain and sorrow and joy. Like that moon is going to do her job no matter what's going on in my life. Oh, and so you saw the moon as a form of uh, embodiment of constancy. Yeah. Oh, fascinating. Interesting, right? But there's also, but there's also like, um, and then the other times that I've thought about it are when I was in Ireland and I saw the cliffs of Moher, which are these beautiful cliffs that just like plunge into the sea, these like sharp, you know, and then whenever I'm out in the, out in the wilderness where I don't see signs of man, I don't see signs of, of, of humankind. And it's like, all right, you're just doing your thing. Mm -hmm. And people come and go and you've been here for millennia these mountains and this land and you're going to be here for millennia more in some form and there are these little lives that traipse across you but like it's it's a meta it's a meta move really it's like looking at my little life from the perspective of the mountains it's like how many deaths have happened on those mountains yeah like we'll be okay We'll all be so okay. Like we'll get it, through. It puts the change and the kerfuffle into perspective. Yeah, it feels like the biggest thing right now. But it's like, no, the biggest thing is like tectonic shift. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like there's there are different... It doesn't mean that the pain is is less or, or not real. It, it, it's not saying, oh, you and your little concerns. It, it doesn't feel belittling to my experience. But it feels helpfully like... Oh, this feels like the biggest thing in the world right now. But if you zoom out, like there will be time that comes after this. There was mm-hmm. time that came before mm-hmm. this, before and after your lifetime. And this is one moment in one little lifetime that is in the middle of a huge human race. And mm. like, you're going to be okay. Mm. The piece of the natural teacher, natural world teacher for me that taught me most about change. I'm thinking of two. One is the tides mm-hmm. because they're just they come, come in, in they go. and out. They come in and they come out. It's like breathing. And both figuratively and literally. I mean, it's just it's like the oceans are breathing. Yeah. And not even just the tide, the waves. There's like all these different levels. So yeah, the, the waves, waves are coming, coming in and out. But then on a larger scale, the tides are the, moving in and the, out. In the six-hour cycle. And then also the cycle of a month when it's high tides and low tides. And, um, but it was always reaffirming to me like... These changes are going to keep happening. Mm-hmm. They're going to keep happening. And it's right. There's they're changing, but there's constancy to that. There's, there's like you can always count on these things to yeah. to be continuing in this way. Right. And so there's right, which once again points to the value of studying improv or and mindfulness is yeah. like so the thing to get good at. <laughs> Is handling change. Like it's, that's the skill to hone. Well, I first acknowledging it, getting comfortable with the fact that it's happening, mm-hmm. and then learning how to how to ride with it. You yeah. Know, uh, maybe you need a time here. <laughs> if you need to get from uh, Birch Islands to Goose Island, 
and you're going to time it where the tide is coming in, it's going to take you four hours to get there. If yeah. you time it when the tide is going out, it's going to take you 20 minutes. Yeah. Right? So it's like learning to time your behavior with the, with the changes. So that was one. And of course, that's linked to the moon and the moon's variability. Yeah. And she's, the moon is a, is a symbol of change. Exactly. Right? For Shakespeare and poets. and Astrologers as well. Astrologers. <laughs> and the other one was a, I saw a time-lapse photography of a mountain. And so, you know, we think of mountains as just these constant things. But it was, you watched the rocks in a gully move down the gully. Mm. And it looked exactly like a river. The way the rocks were flowing down this mountain and, uh, wow. you know, going into little rivulets and spreading out. I was like, this mountain is not staying the same. Yeah. It's just that we are in our little time window. Our scale it looks of like change it is. is different than the mountain right. scale of change. Yeah. And so that was another example of, oh, everything is changing. Yeah. So I feel like we've added, <laughs> we've added uh, a third teacher. So we've got improv and mindfulness, and now we're saying nature. This is very Taoist. Hmm. I was like, you, you know, you want to learn? Just go sit in the woods for a little bit or go yeah. sit by the ocean. You'll kind of learn what you need to know. And yeah, and the wisdom's there. Yeah. Listen to, watch the way the animals treat each other. That don't, might, don't watch too closely. You, know, you watch the lion and the gazelle. It's like yeah. you're either a predator, or you're a prey. Get out there, attack. Mm. Okay, I'll bring that onto an improv stage. <laughs> I think the I think the the most valuable mindset that comes from that really comes from both improv and mindfulness is the is the shift to curiosity from from attachment. So like oh, nice. instead of how can I fix this story? This is not what's supposed to be happening in this story. How can I fix it? To, oh, oh, is that what this story is? That's interesting. I'm not sure what comes next then because I thought I knew right. what the story was and I'm learning that it's something different than I thought. So let me get myself ready, nimble, and engage with it. Yeah. With this new reality. With a new reality. And, and you know, like it's interesting, right? Like those kids at NMH after the campus shift, like you knew what it was. Right. They're building these beautiful memories in what it is, in ways that are maybe may, maybe things are made possible for them that were not. That's right. On the other campus, and you, we don't know. We don't know, right? So it's it's. Um, I think of Burning Man. I think of Burning Man because like the narrative about Burning Man for the last you know ten years probably has been like, oh, it's lost. It's it's lost its soul. It used right. to be something, and now it's just commercialized and huge. And this is, you know, they've they've ruined the burn, and this is not what it was. And it's like, no, but it's what it is. It's right. not what people, it was. Of course, it's not what yeah. it was, but it's what it is. And the people who are coming for the experience of Burning Man are gonna have it. It's not gonna be your experience of right. Burning Man that it was ten years ago or fifteen years ago, but it's their experience of Burning yeah. Man. So there's this way of like, okay, you hang on to that. Have a good time. You know, hanging on to how you wish it were what it was or how angry you are that it's not. And 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 if you're angry about that, go seek that experience somewhere. Like, go go find that. Right. You know, like, go go do it. But hanging on to what this was kind of sells short what it is. Yeah, you're tapping into something that's, uh, what a huge question this is on a societal, global level. I think about environmental change that's mm. happening yeah and so it's like 
you know, I can lament that today's kids don't get to see old growth trees. Right. And somebody could say, well, but they get to see the trees that are here. Mm-hmm. And I you know, say, yeah, it's not the same. Yeah. They'll never know what it's like to go sit in that grove. Totally. If they can't have that depth of experience. Well, am I just holding on to something? Yeah. And I wouldn't say just. I am holding on to something. Yeah. Same thing with technology. Right. Right. So it's like kids who who only grow up being attached to their cell phones, who don't know the the joy of sitting around a table on a rainy day, just chilling silently, drawing in a coloring book without having any screen. So that's that's I find an interesting one because yeah. I think that. I, it's okay, so we, easy to lament the. T- yeah, okay, I just great. want to finish the one, one piece of that to put the parallel. Yeah, which is that I think that they lose. It's not just that they're losing something that I thought was precious, but that they're also losing a capability. Like with the old growth forest, they won't be able to know what that's like because yeah. it's not available to them anymore. Right. So, what were you going to say? Right. So, well, this it like taps into a couple of things. Um, and one of them is this question about about resisting change. It's like mm-hmm. you see a change coming, and when do you fight hard to? I mean, like you know, in a little way, the election is a great example of that. Mm-hmm. How hard do we fight? Right, like there's a change. There's a, clearly a groundswell. You know, su- supporting this like super conservative. You know, like there's there's people who are really into that, and is that an indicator that like. You know, when is it, when do you resist it? When do you face it, right? When do you resist the change? When do you fight to, to make something different? And when do you, when is it, when is it uh, trying to put a square peg in a round hole? Yes, yeah, so I think you maybe just answered it earlier when we were talking about coming to it with curiosity. Yeah. So it's like recognizing a change is happening. And so, okay, here's this moment in our nation's history, I would actually say around the world, there's a rise of nationalism and tribalism and people... Anti, anti-immigrant, xenophobia. Yeah, right? xenophobia. <laughs> strangerism. Anti-strangerism. Yeah. And so this is what's happening. It doesn't mean just sort of passively giving up. And like, like, okay, okay, I guess that's our world now. But like, if we're curious about it, say, hmm, given that this is happening, how do we want to be yeah. in response? Yeah. It can activate yeah, participation. That's a, that's a good... A, that's a good without... It's like being fully invested without being attached to the outcome, right? Yeah. We talked about that before, uh-huh. karma yoga. And like right. Just you put your heart and your soul into it and you have an intention about how you want it to and be. And you do the work and you can't you, be guaranteed how it's going to end, you, you but no you've got to do the work. But you do the work. It's the only thing you have control over. Right. And so maybe there's something with change as well. And, you know, it's like, well, should I hold on to this relationship? I mean, I, I kind of think... I did that a while was I'm going to fight for this. Yeah. I think we've got something here. And then after a while I'll be like, Hmm, okay. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's time to let it go. Maybe time to let it go. Yeah. And, and, and I guess, I guess also getting right, making friends with that possibility. I think sometimes people really don't want to face the possibility of like, Oh, maybe we just shouldn't be together anymore. Especially people who are like married have been together, right. you know, uh, that it's like at all, like save this at all costs. Even at the cost of happiness, like staying together is right. better than breaking up or getting divorced. It's for the children or like whatever. And it's like... For the sense of self. For the sense of self. It's like, I know I don't, I don't, 
I am not going to let that happen. I, right. I'm committed to this relationship. It's like, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but I think that we kind of always need to be friends with the idea that this might not be forever. Mm-hmm. It's for now. Mm-hmm. Because you need, or otherwise, you're not even choosing it. You're not choosing to be in it. Right. Because you're not giving your the, yourself the option to be out of it. You know? Oh, that's interesting. So it's like, it's, you're in it as a matter of course, which in my mind, that lack of intentionality is not what I would want. It's not living. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a default. And I want to be chosen if I'm in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Right? You it's want like, to choose and be chosen. I want to choose this. I want, I want this to be chosen by you. Yeah. I don't want you to just assume we're going to be together because you made the decision a long time ago and by, by gum, well, you're going to... Right, because getting out of the lease would be a pain in the butt. Yeah, right. It's like, oh, come on. Yeah. Like, let's let's stay engaged with the present here. But that's a kind. Of, I think that's a kind of change that people people fight a lot mm-hmm. is kind of facing that their relationship is is right. changing, yeah. is no longer what it once was. And I and I, in, so I got this. I was talking about this recently with a friend, but in um, when my cat died at the end of last, almost a year ago, Jude. Jude. Jude was my cat, and he died. He was only eight. And my sister said something that totally made me, it totally comforted me because he, he died of this, of this illness. I never really blamed myself because it popped up. It was, it was bigger than, you know, it just, it took him. Like his right. life was uncomfortable and we, we put him down before he would have died of natural Suddenly causes. Uncomfortable. Suddenly uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, it happened within a space of a week. This is the way with cats. And we're like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Actually, I'm dying, and goodbye. Like, this is kind of how it was with him. But my sister said, you know, some cats are four-year cats. Some cats are 10-year cats. Some cats are 20-year cats. Like, you don't know how long their their timeline is. They kind of come with a timeline. This is how long it is, right? And there's, of course, the thing that makes that feel, makes me feel better thinking about it that way is like, Oh, that was just the nature of what this is, what this cat was. Mm. It's not, so I don't, you know, and then it allowed me to accept that he was gone, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think we could look at relationships that way of like, yours was a five-year relationship. Right. It, it, you successfully completed that relationship. Check. You know? Yeah. And uh, I have another friend who has been married three times, and she says, I have successfully completed three, three marriages. And I love that. I love that. I've successfully completed them. Like, they were, they ran the course that, that they, they needed to run, and now they're done. And it does not mean that, any of the, that we shouldn't be feeling pain about it or, right. again, right? It's right. like, yes, and the completion of that relationship is painful and hard to adjust to that new change, but there's... But you can kind of be like, oh, right, this is the natural conclusion of this relationship. Yeah. Well, I, I find that when I can meditate or write in my journal or do a mindfulness practice of some sort, maybe it's movement, that I just create space for whatever's happening. Yeah. Like I can notice, oh, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. And in doing so, it just... It's kind of like stepping into the breath of the tide, you know? Yeah. Like, okay, I'm I'm in this rhythm. I'm coming in. I'm coming out. And it's kind of all going to be okay or it all is okay now. And mm-hmm. let's get back to the curiosity. Like a little, a gentle reboot of the curiosity. Yeah, a like, reboot. Like, like a retouch. Because yeah. it's easy to lose sight of it. Yeah. 
but like, oh, right, oh, let's just look at what this is now. Right. <sighs> that's good. And intense. Yeah, it's kind of intense. Yeah. But uh, I appreciate your being willing to share. Uh, yeah. And, uh, I find that I can't, it's, it's in the very front of my head all the time. In your heart? Yes. Yeah. So it's like, well, I can't really talk about anything else until I've talked about this. So let's do that, and then we can move on to some to other stuff. Right <laughs> you know, on, like right it's on. kind of this is going to be poking at me until I yeah. put it out in the world. Well, the serenity prayer, right from uh, recovery programs. Mm-hmm. God grant me the grace to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I cannot accept, and the wisdom to the to know the difference. Yeah. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. On that note. Goodbye, good people. We bid adieu. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Until the next time. That was maybe a little more emotional of a conversation that we've had before. Yeah, I think it's uh, never been, we've never dealt with something quite so uh, present and in process, Mm -hmm. I think, Mm -hmm. as as that. Um, So I hope you liked it. I hope you found it valuable, rather, that it was, it it gave you some good ways to think about things. It's always good for me to talk about this sort of stuff, to remind me of how I can approach the changing circumstances of life. I appreciate it too, the opportunity to recognize like the the gap I have between my ideals and how I actually operate in my life. Mm -hmm. Because just acknowledging that feels healing in a certain way. Yeah. So I appreciate the chance to see a little bit more of that. I'm like, okay, so it'll really come back to the tide, come back to the breath and just Keep being here. Yeah. Keep participating. Yeah. Keep being curious and something good will come out of it. Yeah. So, folks, if you have any comments or thoughts or questions, uh, send us a note at info at monsterbabypodcast.com. Yeah. And uh, our the, the next retreat that's on the books, the next Monster Baby Retreat, is going to be in Maine. It's going to be a five-day, six days, seven, five days. Five-day five retreat. Coast of Maine. Stunningly beautiful landscape killer people. June 7th to the 12th. Yes, that's actually the most important information, (laughs) June 7th to the 12th. So put it on your calendar, and and we hope you'll come play with us. Yeah, and stay tuned. We'll have have a website up for that soon. Yeah. Uh, And hopefully we'll have some other retreats to offer as well in the meantime. And then one more little thing to add. We've just decided to offer a Monster Baby Mindfulness class here in the Bay Area, starting on October 20th on Thursday evenings from 7 to 9. So if you're going to be around from October through early December, give us a holler and uh, come join us. We'll do a little more detailed exploration of how do you practice this mindfulness thing we've been talking about. We'd love to have you with us. Thank you again for listening. and uh, We'll see you next time. Wish you the best. Ciao.